Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 Chad. So the rumor du jour is that Darrell Walker is in discussions to return to the Edmonton Eskimos. Walker recently cut by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL. All he did last year for the Eskimos was rack up almost 1,600 receiving yards. All he did in 2015 in just 12 games was rack up just over 1,100 receiving yards. He is outstanding, as you know. What's interesting here is that the receiving position is probably the position of least need for the Eskimos, that and quarterback, I suppose. But uh, if, if they brought in Walker, they'd have a lot of American receivers around. It is still uh, a report by TSN's Dave Naylor at this point, but uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on this as we move along. The Eskimos did not practice today. They'll be back on the field tomorrow. They host Calgary in the rematch on Saturday, 5.30 for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Ched. The game will start at 7 as the 7-3 and three Eskimos will try to snap their three-game losing streak. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 6.07. We'll have plenty more on the Eskimos with Jason Moss in for the Coaches Show with Morley Scott from 7.30 to 8 this evening. We'll also catch up with uh, Drew Remenda from the Oilers broadcast on Sportsnet. You'll hear some comments from Bob Green, and we'll look at some key players on the Oilers roster for the Young Stars Tournament in Penticton. And speaking of live sports, we're going to have a hockey game on the airwaves on Friday, starting at 5 from Penticton. Oilers Young Stars taking on the Flames Young Stars team, Bob Bob and Jack and I will be in Penticton for that tournament and to bring you that game. So that'll be a lot of fun. You can always text 630-630. You can call 780-496-0063. You can email insidesports at 630ched.com. We have a quick uh, text out of the gate here from Jay who says, Hey, Reed, did you watch Jay and Dan last night? I did and loved it. They also played the Littlest Hobo intro before the TSN Top 10. Call me crazy, but I think that was a shout-out to you when you had Jay on Inside Sports a week ago and talked about the Littlest Hobo. Have a good one. That is from a a listener named Jay. Uh, I did watch Jay and Dan. Uh, it's great to have them back on. You know, they they were funny. They were goofy. They they make the highlight show very easy to watch. They, they entertain you while still giving you the information 
that you need, and they do a lot of highlight packs straight up. I mean, they're not goofing around all the time, but they had a very funny little intro. Uh, I mean, certainly I know Jay very well. He, uh, you know, besides having been a longtime sports anchor, he did host the Big Breakfast, A Channel Winnipeg. He's done stand-up comedy a lot in the past, so he's very smooth, very funny. Great to have them back on Canadian television for sure. And, uh, I, you know, Jay and I did talk about the Littlest Hobo, but I think they used Littlest Hobo stuff on their old show. So maybe it's me ripping them off. I don't know. But I think we all love the Littlest Hobo, and you can never get enough of them. Uh, this texture says, Read any news about a Ginla signing in Edmonton yet? There isn't, and I still highly doubt that's going to happen. That's my quick answer to that one. Brendan Ulrich is our Eskimo sideline reporter. He's the host of, or the uh, producer of Oilers now here on 630 Chad, noon to 2 every day. Brendan, thanks for popping on the show. What's going on? Not much, Reed. Uh, I didn't think I was coming on until 6.30, so this is like a big uh, you know, big promotion here coming up in the opening segment. I know that's your money spot, so well, we thanks to, for having me on. We had to call an audible, so uh, don't worry about that. But uh, before we dive into the sports stuff, I-, I do thank you for coming on because I know you have a really big event, a big life event tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's big. Uh, fantasy football draft number four of the season <laughs> oh, tonight, Reed. Like, <laughs> and I have another one tomorrow as well, the fifth one, and that's it for this year. Just five fantasy teams. That's all. I have. I've I was limited seven last year. I've limited myself to two for the last several years, and I'm a lot happier because I obviously I enjoy sports. Fantasy football is fun, but I do have a limit. I, I do have a limit where I think, okay, I need to get off the computer and not try to find which seventh string running back I should have on my bench just in case. <laughs> Yeah, I'll need to follow suit eventually. I actually prefer playing DraftKings, uh, the week-to-week sort of thing, a lot more. So I have 100 lineups going on Sunday for that, too. So eventually I think I'll fade out a couple more uh, season-long leagues and just stick to uh, DraftKings. But it's a lot of fun. Uh, the drafting is probably the funnest part about the whole thing. Once you get to the week-to-week grind, it's uh, it's not as exciting. But uh, I love the drafting, that's for sure. You get together with all the guys, have a few beers. It's always a fun time. Oh, so you're doing it in person. You're not just doing it online. Yeah, I'm at my buddy's house right now. We're just all getting together here, so I can't wait. Okay, cool. Well, say hi to your buddy for me. Uh, I will Billy say this. Wild Eye Flames fan. He always texts into uh, Oilers now. I'll oh, get him to text into Inside Sports. I think I know this guy, or at least I know of him. That's pretty cool. I will say this about DraftKings, that two years ago, you and I were saying to each other, the CFL would be perfect for DraftKings. There's four games a week. You know, so you're not shuffling through 32 NFL quarterbacks. Trying, not that the NFL ones aren't fun, but because it's hard to do a year-long CFL draft because there are so few teams, and if someone gets injured, you can be derailed. But for, for the daily fantasy sports, or I guess in football's case, the weekly, I, I think it's been great for the, uh, for the CFL. Plus, I, I won $3.50 on the weekend, Brendan, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Well, yeah, here's the thing. Uh, you know that game last night with uh, Hamilton in Toronto, where that's a perfect example. Would I be watching that game if I wasn't playing DraftKings? Probably not. But there was the big, you know, the lightning delay, thunder delay, the rain delay. So I actually stuck around, went back and watched the rest of that game because I was hoping to win a little bit of money on DraftKings. And that's, uh, it, it's partly, I mean, that helps the CFL grow as a game. It helps in the States as well. Um, you look at the timing as well of the season, it's perfect because hockey's done basketball eventually finishes and i think all the americans are waiting for the nfl but they still love football so they can you know start to play a little bit of DraftKings, and it sort of uh feeds that appetite until uh the nfl season starts so i think it's brought some viewership uh, from from uh, the states and i mean hey a lot of the games this season in the cfl have been exciting uh so i think it helps grow the game a little bit as well 
Brendan, the last two Eskimos games have not been exciting. They've trailed 26-6 at the half in both games and uh, faced a huge hill to climb and were never able to pull themselves back in it. Uh, I mean, you're going to be on the sidelines on Saturday for the Eskimos game. You have a unique perspective down there because uh, I, I know you're not right in the bench, but you do hear some of the chatter and, and you keep an eye on the injuries, which you've been busy doing uh, this year. But you, you, you've, I mean, you've kind of said to me a couple times, "Oh man, this guy's a little more intense or a little quicker than I thought." Once you're actually down on field level, you know, give me just give me your thoughts on the Eskimos after ten games and maybe your your level of concern after you know three losses in a row and like I said, a couple that that spun out of control early. Yeah, it's been hard to actually watch uh, the entire games this season, Reed, because of all the injuries. Half the time, I'm trying to figure out who's on the training table here and there. So that's been a, a change of pace this season. I'm not overly worried. Um, I think, you know, the Stampeders right now, roster to roster, they have a, a lot better team than the Eskimos based on a lot of the injuries. Uh, I think offensive, offensively, the Eskimos are close to Calgary, quarterback to quarterback, probably the two best quarterbacks in the uh, CFL those two teams you look at the receivers i think you would give the eskimos the advantage uh receiver wise based on jordan being out for calgary and then you just look at some of the other areas i mean the eskimos at linebacker nowhere near as good as calgary the secondary nowhere is near and at running back as well messam is a lot better than uh, perkins so i think that was the difference for the eskimos in that game so i think as they get more guys back they'll, they'll be okay I predict them to go 12 and uh, 6 at the start of the season. I think that's still very possible. If they go, what, 5 and 3 here, the remainder of their games, they would get to that. So I think that's what they are. They might not be on Calgary's level right now. Uh, I just think they need to get out to a good start here and get some momentum early in games. Clearly, that's been a problem the last three games against Saskatchewan. Riley was off early. He fumbled that quarterback sneak against Calgary. I was saying, okay, they get out to an early start, maybe build some momentum. Uh, maybe they can they can hang in with the Stamps for the majority of that game. But first play of the game, they go deep to uh, Devarius Daniels. That's a big uh, play uh, for Calgary. The Eskimos secondary struggling there. But then they settle in. They, they hold them to a field goal. You're thinking, okay, maybe the offense can build off that. Then what happens? They come out on offense, and Watson fumbles, fumbles the ball after, uh, you know, Riley had uh, made a couple good passes. So they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. They get behind early, and I think maybe more attention to detail throughout the week. Uh, maybe map out and graph some plays here early so they can get a better start, maybe score first. I think they'll be okay maybe in the rematch uh, on Saturday. Well, I, I think injuries have, have taken their toll mostly at linebacker and at running back, and I know Perkins has some explosive ability, but, uh, I mean, it's a big what-if you know, what if John White plays in a game like that? I know he's out for the season, and I don't want to what if ourselves to death. Just don't tell Brian Hall that. Were you there with Brian Halsey yelled at me today. Yeah, you challenged him a bit there. That was interesting. Yeah, I saw Halsey's tweets saying injuries don't matter. I, I, I disagree with what Halsey had to say. I, I, you know, 100% agree with you. The injuries have been a factor. Like Perkins compared to John White, it isn't even close. I think you can use Perkins uh, at times, and uh, the Eskimos, I think, were trying to you know, go to his strengths uh, in that game against Calgary by throwing him in the flat a little bit more. But, you know, between the tackles, he just can't get it done. And John White needed that second and five or, you know, that five-yard run on first down. That's what John White would give you, and then you're, you're second and short. So that's been a big loss. I think Trayvon Van even was able to do it a little bit better than uh, Perkins has. Uh, so that's a big loss. And the linebackers, though, I mean, uh, I don't even want to insult some of the guys they have out there, but really... 
Uh, I don't know if they're CFL caliber players right now. I know you talked about uh, Hoffman Ellis a little bit on Oilers now with Bob Stopper. He's an okay player, but should he be starting? I don't know. Kenny Ladler has worked with how many linebackers this season? And he, Reed, it's been ridiculous, yeah. so it's been tough for him. But he's still out there making plays. But you, you sort of wonder if they had uh, some consistency there uh, at that position. Uh, what the defense will be like, but clearly right now some major holes that uh, will be tough to fill moving forward. Uh, Jody from Marathorpe texted in. We were talking about fantasy stuff. Uh, she, uh, Jody saying there used to be an awesome CFL draft site called Fantasy, like A-E-H. Uh, they didn't do it this season, but it was a season-long draft and worked really well. Too bad they quit doing it. I never did that one, Brendan. I saw it advertised, but I, I never did that one. Did you ever try no, that I one? No, don't, I don't yeah. remember that. So yeah, no, Is I that the one TSN rant? I'm not sure. Jody will text in some clarity, I'm sure. Hey, uh, the Brendan, hockey's uh, heating up. I mean, uh, Oilers are skating already at, uh, at Roger's place. I know I'm going to go grab some interviews tomorrow. Drysaddle's back in town. Kajula changed his number, by the way, from 36 to 91. That's uh, kind of interesting. But we got the Young Stars tournament in, in Penticton. I mean, is, is this going to be the weekend of Yamamoto? Or, uh, I mean, I, I think people got to keep an eye on Baron Jones as well. Where are you at with some of the names on this roster? Well, the D is really good. I think the Oilers have a really good D because a lot of those guys, well, I mean, you look at the, the top four they have on that roster, all four of those guys will likely be in the AHL next season. Uh, and I know Bob Stoffer has talked about Mantha maybe even getting a look uh, on the Oilers if need be throughout the season as well. Uh, I think Jones and Bear, very intriguing young prospects. Um, Everyone talks about Ethan Bear, but I'm really intrigued to see what Caleb Jones can do. I think all around, he, he may be a little bit better all around uh, than Bear long-term, but of course Bear is the more flashier guy with that offensive upside. So those two very intriguing prospects on the blue line. Zayat Pagan's a big man. I can't wait yep. to see what he can do. So we'll see how, what he can do against uh, some uh, NHL-talented prospects. Um, Yamamoto, though, I mean, that's the guy to watch, clearly. Um, lit it up at that junior showcase had a good uh, preseason debut with uh, Spokane uh, earlier or last week I guess um, Bob Green on Oilers now today is saying hey maybe he wouldn't count them out to make the roster for the Oilers and I think that's uh, a big long shot but the fact is he's confident and I think the Oilers really like that he, he has that confidence in his game and that swagger clearly he has all the skill in the world uh, we'll see if size is an issue but in a tournament like this Reed where you're playing you know, younger players, and I don't think it's going to be as physical as an NHL game. I mean, Yamamoto should just shine in a tournament like this, you would think. Ethan Bear, by the way, Brendan, had 70 points in 67 WHL regular season games, 31 of them on the power play, almost half his points uh, on the power play. And he still had pretty good stats in the WHA playoffs, even though he was fighting through that hand injury most of the time as well. All right, uh, who's your first pick going to be here before I let you go? Well, I have the sixth pick tonight. Um, So it's tough because there's a consensus top four in fantasy this year. Uh, One, two, it's either David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. After that, it becomes the receiver show, Odell Beckham. Antonio Brown or Julio Jones. So I'll likely miss out on all five of those guys. Maybe I'll have to take Ezekiel Elliott at number six. He would be a top three pick if uh, the suspension questions weren't That's out right. right now. We don't really know what's going to happen. But, hey, if he plays, only misses three games, uh, I think he's worthy of the six picks. We'll see if I get him there. Brennan, always great to have you on the show, buddy. I'll see you at work tomorrow. Sounds good, my man. Talk to you soon. Brennan Ulrich. Producer of Oilers Now, Eskimo sideline reporter here on 630 Chet. Always love having him on the show. Uh, he uh, I, 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 He's not a fantasy football addict. But he, what's he, he's going in six, he said, I think down from seven last year. 
uh, you could text in how many fantasy NFL leagues you've done in a year and if you've had to cut back over the years. Maybe some of you have ramped it up. I mean, financially, it can take a toll, too, if some guys want to, you know, have a large entry fee because you're not winning all the time. You can win sometimes. You're not winning all the time. Blue Jays up one nothing on Boston. Top of the fourth. We'll keep you updated on that one. We'll uh, have some comments from Bob Green, as Brendan mentioned, and Drew Amendez coming up as well. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, so a bit of an apology. We had uh, Jody from Marathorpe texting the show, and I believe when I uh, read the text, I referred to Jody as either her or she. Jody is male, which is fine. Uh, so sorry about that, Jody, who's uh, uh, out in Marathorpe, and also says, uh, loved when you had uh, Kelsey Braid from TSN on the show. Uh, yeah, we had Kelsey on, I think, last summer. Had a little uh, small-town talk. That was good. Lyle texting in. He says, as far back as I can remember, I've done exactly zero NFL fantasy drafts, and I'm thinking I've watched just as many NFL games. That is from Lyle. And as I'm sure you know, Lyle, that puts you in, in a minority for sports fans because the NFL is the North American juggernaut in uh, pro sports. Season starts, uh, heck, on Thursday already, right? we got that Patriots-Chiefs game. Do we have Jim here quickly? Okay, what do we got? We got about a minute for Jim. Jim, you're calling just before the news, but I want to get you in. You got a minute. Go ahead. Okay, I'm just surprised that the Eskimos haven't played their, their backup quarterback more, especially when the team is is uh, is not playing good. And your thoughts? I mean, this guy's not going to stick around. He'd be a fool to sign another contract. The Eskimos just carrying a clipboard. I would have put him in in the fourth quarter yesterday because the game was so out of hand. But as as long as the game is is any is in question anyway, I leave Riley in because he's always your yeah, best chance. Yeah, but when the whole team is playing as bad as they are, you need a shakeup. Fair, fair, yeah, and I don't think you want Riley getting hurt in a thirty-six-six nope. six game or whatever it was at the time. But yeah. you know, fair enough, fair, fair comment. Yeah. This coach won't do it, so that's fine. Well, he did do it the previous game against Saskatchewan. Like Franklin played yeah. most of the fourth quarter, right? But uh, maybe yeah. Morley, maybe Morley will ask him at seven thirty why he just didn't decide to do it yesterday. Well, that would be nice. All right, thanks, Jim. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. That was Jim calling in. Uh, the Blue Jays are still up one nothing on the Red Sox in the fourth. By the way, interesting news here about the Red Sox stealing signs, uh, apparently using an Apple Watch. I'll give you that full story as we move along as well. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chet. Mark Letestu with the uh, Perry Pern three-on-three camp for the last couple of weeks, skating with several of his Oilers teammates today at Rogers Place, coming off an excellent season for the Oilers. I got the Red Sox-Blue Jays game here on the TV, and the Red Sox are in the news today. Uh, what's what's going on here is uh, that the uh, commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, ha- is confirming a, a report from earlier in the day that the Red Sox used electronic communication to steal signs from the New York Yankees uh, in a game, well, almost two months ago now. It was back on July 18th. And uh, what happened is, I mean, baseball does not have a rule against stealing signs. If, if I'm looking at your first base coach and I see, well, he's done that three times and it was the hit and run the first two times, so maybe I'm going to make an educated guess it's the hit and run or the steal or whatever, that's fine. But it's the use of electronic equipment that is the problem here. And, and apparently, 
<laughs> I mean, I can't help but laughing at this. Apparently, uh, the uh, Red Sox trainer was using an Apple Watch. Now, is is this not the? I don't know if Apple needs any more promotion, but is this not the? I mean, I, if I were Apple, I'd be getting video of this and put it in their ads right away. Stream music, voice to text, and steal signs in Major League Baseball. Uh, so, so whatever the Red Sox are going to get in a little bit of trouble for this, and, and, and probably as a bit of an aside. Probably all the people who hate the Yankees don't don't care because it went against the Yankees <laughs> during that game. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on six thirty. Chad, pleased to welcome Drew Remenda back to the show. Drew, Drew, I, I thought I'd, I'd start with that before I brought you in. But I can't see you because we're over the phone, but I imagine you're shaking your head and have a bit of a smile on your face here in that story. <laughs> Baseball's got some weird things, don't they? I mean, they've got some. It's some weird traditions, some things you think you can and can't do, some unwritten rules. Um, but I, this is the first I've heard of stealing anything via your Apple Watch. That's that's impressive. Who would have yeah. thought of that? I mean I mean that's that's some deep thinking right there. Yeah, I mean they're really they're they're really pulling out all the stops to try and get those get those signs. And I mean the thing is I mean I mean whether matter. if you know what like good hitters are, are like would a Tony Gwynn been been a better hitter if he knew the pitch? Like he was pretty good, at you know. Or pick yeah, a guy that always, yeah. It's not it's goofy. It's just goofy. But you know, what? 162 game season, you got to figure out something to do keep you interested. Well, that's the thing. I think in baseball, they they a lot of do they do a lot of things more out of boredom and just keeping themselves yeah, interested than anything else. I agree. Uh, <laughs> this is, is it is the Red Sox Yankees though. So it's a hell of a hell of a rivalry. Well, we've been talking a lot about rivalries the last couple of weeks with uh, obviously with right, with Oilers right. Flames and uh, Stampeders Eskimos and that's uh, Red Sox Yankees, especially this century may, may be the biggest one in pro sports. I got to read this text from Lyle, who texted in that uh, that he doesn't do NFL fantasy drafts nor does he watch NFL games. And I kind of said, well, Lyle, you're in the minority because the NFL is a complete juggernaut. Then he yeah. writes back with this one. When the NFL season starts, I'm going to dig some potatoes and watch them dry as opposed to watching one of those games. Man, he's, like, to, in the early 90s, maybe the NFL was that boring. But I think it's more exciting than watching potatoes dry now. <laughs> I um, you, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big football guy. I, am, yes. I have two sports. There is for me, there's hockey, and then there's mixed martial arts and boxing. Um, I'm I'm a big fight fan. I love I love the combat sports. Um, my kids, my boys, Davis and Donovan, love football. They coach football, high school football in Saskatoon, and I don't watch NFL. But they have started turning me on to college football. I mean, college football. You want to talk about a fun league to watch? U.S. college football is a hell of a fun league to watch. But I'm not a big. The only time I want to watch the NFL is if Bruno Mars is doing the halftime of the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's great. Just there for the halftime show yeah, and the old war- wardrobe malfunction, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, and the thing, and I, I don't watch a lot of NCAA. I'm, I'm more likely watch the highlights, like of that big UCLA comeback on the oh, weekend. Unbelievable! Yeah, unbelievable. But you get more wild games like that yeah. because, as you know, you're dealing with younger athletes. You're dealing with coaches who maybe will might be more willing to take a chance if they know they don't have the firepower, and that can lead to wilder games. Yeah, it's it's great. It's so much fun to watch. And then uh, even the Alabama game um, before uh, the, the day before was it? Yeah, it was the day before. Um, just watching. You know, I know Bob Stoffer loves Nick Saban, and, and with good reason. He's probably the best coach on the planet in any sport ever. Mm-hmm. So um, when you watch that team and do what they do, it's it's pretty impressive. They continue to roll, and, and with them, it's only 
one thing only, and that's that's win championships. You know, I, I will say this. I, I didn't think we were going to go down this road, but it's it's worth bringing up because you have a lot of philosophies on coaching, and and. and I, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna bring it up with football, but we can tie it into almost any sport. I think part of the problem with some coaches in the NFL, and there are some pretty wide open offenses in the NFL that have a lot of talent. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think the NFL might be the worst for it. You still have a lot of coaches, Drew. They coach not to lose, or or they try to coach to win 13-10 with a field goal on the last play. But but if you coach. You know, if you coach not to lose, you often wind up not winning. <laughs> they, play, they play the percentages, right? Right. And, they don't, that's, and but I don't, I don't blame coaches for it. I mean, the coaches have to, they want to keep their job. And they know that it's easier to get guys to defend or take away opportunities than it is to create opportunities. And it's the same way in hockey. I mean, Theo Furry came out this month or last month and just talked about there's too much coaching in hockey. There's three guys on the bench and they've all got iPads and um, they're doing this, they're doing that, and they've taken away the creativity. I don't argue with that point, but I also would like Theo to look at the other side of it, that these coaches work their tails off to try to give their team every advantage they can because it's, the, it's what they're paid to do. And it also, if they don't win, and maybe they, they can win by taking away opportunities and taking away it, stymieing the other team's offense, which you're going to see other teams do this year against the Edmonton Oilers, it's, I don't blame the coaches for being that heavily involved. I wish they wouldn't be. I wish that all coaches would have a, a five-year deal and then they could just, and you just let teams just roll. But they can't do that nowadays. There's too much on the line. Drew Amanda joining us on Inside Sports. All right, you, you mentioned the Oilers. That was a good segue because clearly they're going to be a team that, that more teams will game plan against. They, they were eighth in the league last year, and I've always thought that you know if, uh, if an opposition team prepares to beat the best and focuses on those game plans, they probably have a game plan that can beat lower teams lower down in the standings as well. So you can be a little more general in that preparation. I mean, just describe what that hurdle might be like for the Oilers this season, Drew, uh, that, that they're going to have the bullseye and you're going to have people saying, I want to be the goalie that shuts out McDavid. I want to be the guy that rubs Patrick Maroon into the boards. I mean, it's going to be a different uh, attitude that they're going to face, face from opponents, I think. I think you're going to see more of a a um, kind of a, a copycat of what Anaheim did. Not all the time, of course, because you can't do that through 82 games, and there's times that the, the other team's just not going to have time to game plan against Connor. Um, but you're going to see more of what Mike Babcock employed during the season with uh, Nassim Kadri on him, mm-hmm. and then with, with um, Kessler on Connor. You're going to see more of that. You're going to see... Coaches say, okay, this is the guy, this is the matchup I'm going to go to. And this is something that Connor, what we saw last year, had some trouble with, especially in the playoffs. Let's be honest about it. But the other thing about it is now Connor's, he's onto it. He's going to be able to understand. Todd will do what he can to to move uh, Connor up and down the lineup and and have his matchup opportunities. But Todd's not much of a, a big matchup guy. The Oilers now don't have to worry, though, of just throwing, worrying about Connor being shut down. Because then they can roll out Leon or whoever else. I mean, when you look up and down the lineup now, it's not the same Oilers team from three years ago. This is a team that has depth. 
This is a team that can throw other guys out there. This is a team that can change up the lines and and mix up some twosomes here and there and have opportunities, not opportunities to win, but a better chance than the opposition to win. But I think you're going to see more teams try to copycat, uh, like I say, what Mike Babcock did and then Randy, Randy Carlisle trying to get people on Connor as early as possible and keep them on him as long as possible. They think if you shut down Connor, you can shut down the Oilers. I'm not necessarily in agreement with that. I think there's there's more depth to the Oilers as we've started to see and the people who follow the team closely. You can see that this team has a lot going for it. Okay, let me ask you this then, spinning off what, what you said there. Uh, are, are you saying then that for the Oilers to have you know medium to long-term success, that Leon Dreisaitl is going to have to be on a separate line than, than Connor McDavid? Like, is it to be? Not, not necessarily. I, well, we've seen. Well, I've seen Todd anyway. When, when he was in San Jose and I was broadcasting for the Sharks, he, he used to move guys from the center position to the wing position all the time. And in fact, you know, Joe Pavelski, Joe Thornton are two centers and they played together. Um, Joe Pavelski would play third line. Joe Pavelski would play second line. Patrick Milo would be up with Joe Thornton. You can move because you've got talent, because you've got skill, which the Oilers definitely do. You can move people around. And I don't think Leon has to necessarily play center on the second line or the next line or whatever line away from Connor. I think you can mix it up. I think you can go back and forth. You can keep the opposition team guessing. Um, a lot of it has to do with how other people play and, and how other um, when you look up and down the lineup, whether they're they're reaching their potential. But I don't think necessarily that Connor and Leon have to be apart. I think you'll see them throughout the year. Uh, I think it'll be mixed up. I think sometimes they'll be apart. Sometimes they'll be together. Drew Romina joining us on Inside Sports, Oilers analyst for their games on Sportsnet. Okay, i got to ask you a couple quick ones here because you yeah. mentioned you're a big MMA guy. UFC yeah. 215 in Edmonton, Rogers Place, Saturday night. I'll ask you about the two headline fights. we got the women's bant- bantamweight Amanda Nunez versus Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, give us the breakdown on the pick here. That was going to be a main event in, in, 213, in UFC 213, and Amanda Nunez, day of the fight, pulled out of the fight. Said she wasn't feeling right. Dana White was uh, was not happy. Dana White, everybody knows, is the big promoter and, and the boss of UFC, um, and he was major league upset. And they had to really scramble that day. Now Shevchenko thinks it's because uh, Nunez um, uh, was was a little afraid. Nunez said had some sinus, uh, some sinus problems. Said she didn't feel right. So this is a this is one that's been a while in the making. Nunez is a bad woman, man. I'm telling you, she is a striker. She is strong. She can hit. But Shevchenko is a good fighter too. She's got a lot of heart. Demetrius Johnson fighting Ray Borg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Borg is um, he's a he's not really much of a household name when it comes to UFC. He's he's won four of his last six fights, but in two of those fights, two of those last six fights, he hasn't been able to make weight. But he's moved to uh, the Greg Jackson, Mike Winklejohn uh, camp, and that's really helped him. He's a good fighter, strong fighter, but Demetrius Johnson is going for a UFC record of 11 straight title defenses. He's got quick feet. He's unorthodox in his movement. He's got lightning-fast hands, um, and I think he'll, he'll win that fight. But this is a heck of a card, Reed. When you, when you look at it, there's, uh, there's some really terrific, wonderful fighters. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Gilbert Melendez and Jeremy Stevens. I think that's going to be a really good fight. There's a couple of veteran guys. Melendez has been was one of the few fighters to be ranked number one in different weight classes. And he's got he's been everywhere from shoot fighting in Japan to strike force to WEC. He's been there. Jeremy Stevens is a veteran, always in great shape, always brings a good fight. 
couple of good, real good jujitsu guys. You've got Neil Magny, um, another great expert jujitsu guy with um, uh, Rafael Dos Angeles, who's, a, of course, Brazilian fighter, another another black belt in Brazilian jujitsu. Um, there's some really good guys under on the undercard um, before it even gets to Demetrius Johnson. If you are a fight fan, if you like UFC, if you like MMA, if you like combat sports, you should be checking this out because it's a very, it's probably, read, not probably, it is one of the best cards, one of the best uh, stacked cards they've had as far as talented fighters and guys that have been around the UFC for a long time that know how to fight, and it'll be really entertaining. Well, and, and Nunez and, and Johnson were, were in town a few weeks ago, and yeah. I mean, Johnson, I mean, he's, I think he's five foot three, but it's amazing. Five three, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm not taller yeah, than a lot no. of people, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was definitely taller than him. But I definitely wouldn't want to take him on because that's, I think... you, that's, that's how you get the, that's how you get the title of, uh, of Mighty Mouse. Yeah, exactly. You know? But it's you know most guys we don't be calling me Mighty Mouse, but with this guy you can call him Mighty Mouse because he can kick most people's ass. <laughs> I, mean, I love I love the fight game because to me the fight game is either boxing or UFC MMA. It is the purest effort, essence of sports. There's two people across from each other trying to physically impose their will on their opponent. To me, it it, it is the best thing about competition. And you know, I, I I dabble in I, I've. I suck at jujitsu. I'm not a bad striker as long as nobody's punching me back in the face. Um, but um, when I watch these guys go at it, there's, there's, they're wired a little differently than you and I, pal. You know, that I love how you put that. I'm pretty good if no one's trying to hit me back. That's yeah. like saying well, I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm a good putter if they're all six-inch tap-ins, right? right. <laughs> exactly. It's the, it's the old, it's the, now, there's, there's a lot of debate on who said it, but I think it was Mike Tyson who said it. I, you know, you know, have, you, have you got a plan going into this fight? And, uh, my, and Mike Tyson was asked about that, and I think it was Mike Tyson. And he said, yeah, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. Like, I'm really good hitting the bag. I'm really good when I go to my uh, my dojo, and I'm hitting the bag, and, and I'm bouncing around, and I'm kicking it and kneeing it and elbowing it. Um, when somebody steps in front of you and starts throwing back, it changes changes life for you. Drew, thanks for being so generous with your time. I look forward to seeing you once we get into the season. I, I hope you have more time for the show every now and then. Love having you on, man. All right, buddy. If we talk UFC, I'll be on every time you want. Perfect. That's Drew Remenda. Check it in tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean, he did. A, he, he knew as much about that card as anybody who covers UFC, I think. 215 coming up Saturday at Rogers Place. And, of course, he's the uh, color commentator for the Oilers broadcasts on Sportsnet. Still one nothing Blue Jays after 5 at Fenway against the Apple Watch using cheaters, the Boston Red Sox. I guess we can call them that now. Is there an app for that? Is <laughs> That'd be great, Kellen. <laughs> if there's actually an app for stealing sides, they'll have to make one. They'll have to make one. They doubt, they're like, what? We were just trying the stealing signs app. It was free for two days. Could we you were, imagine we the, user use <laughs> the user reviews? The user reviews and the username is on the it's user all like, page. It's all like D Pedroia. <laughs> uh, you know. Five stars we'll use again. <laughs> <laughs> 649 Inside Sports on 630, Chad. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. So Brendan Ulrich was on earlier talking about getting ready for his NFL fantasy draft tonight and about possibly taking Ezekiel Elliott, even though he's got a six-game suspension. Just uh, reading here that Ezekiel Elliott will play against the Giants on Sunday. 
The arbitrator's decision came after the league's 4 p.m. deadline for implementation of suspensions. So Elliott will have his six-game suspension upheld, but he's fine for this weekend against uh, the New York Giants. Of course, Elliott, the uh, excellent running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 6.53. You can always reach me by calling 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. The email is insidesports at 630ched.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. I know there were uh, reports out there today that Cody Franson, free agent defenseman has nailed down his list of teams to four one of the possibilities being the Edmonton Oilers uh we'll see about that I mean Franson strikes me as the type of guy that he's is he's 30 is is he going to spend the rest of his career getting one-year contracts from a variety of teams because nobody really falls in love with them but then when you get to this point of the season maybe teams say oh well maybe we could use them uh 19 points for Buffalo last year in 68 games I mean, from an Oilers perspective, I suppose that would, uh, while Secker is out, you could have France and slide into the top six. You might not have to use Greiba as much. They got Johan uh, Avatu signed as well. So he could be another depth guy around. I mean, Mark Fain could also be around as, as, as a depth guy if they need to call somebody up. So uh, we'll see. I mean, one of those rumors that I, I think there's probably more to this one than the uh, Ginla one. But I don't know if uh, the Oilers would necessarily be Franson's first choice. But we'll keep an eye on it. 2 nothing, by the way, now Blue Jays leading Boston. That game in the top of the sixth. A uh, couple notes here about the Oilers. New numbers. I mentioned Drake Kajula earlier. He's going to wear number 91, switching from 36. Anton Slepeshev is going to go with 58 instead of 42. Jujar Kara will get a more traditional number, number 16, after being number uh, 54. I mentioned uh, Avatu, he's going to wear 81, and UC Jokinen will wear 36. Darrell Walker, outstanding receiver for the Edmonton Eskimos the last couple of years, reportedly in discussions to return to the green and gold after being released by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll keep an eye on that one. The Eskimos 7-3 and three on the season, but after getting blown out twice, they now actually have a negative point differential. Even though they have a winning record, they are down to minus 16 on the season. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, there may be a couple of you who have a soft spot for the Riders listening out there. Though I kind of feel like Rider fans probably really dislike me because I kind of troll them, don't I? I don't troll a lot of people, but I kind of troll Riders fans. Does that make me a bad man, Kellen Kennedy? No. <laughs> it's just like, no. No. You're not mean enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should, you should go smash watermelons. I was, In fact, I was going to ask you, which NFL free agent did they, did they try to uh, woo into Regina today? <laughs> well, are you referring to the Trent Richardson yeah. story from a yeah, few days ago? The, where he was signed and then he wasn't, apparently? And anyway. the Vince Young thing from the preseason and... There is, there is actually news concerning the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, running back Cam Marshall and receiver Nick Dembski will be out for the Banjo Bowl, the rematch in Winnipeg. Looks like uh, Kieran LaFrance is going to play running back for the Green Riders in that game. I guess there's only one rider team now, so we don't have to call them the Green Riders. So that's a throwback to when there was the Ottawa Rough Riders in the CFL. All right, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We'll have some comments from Bob Green. 
He's the Oilers' director of player personnel. The roster confirmed today for the upcoming Young Stars tournament. You got Yamamoto, you got Bear, you got Jones, you got Lagason, you got Benson, though the Edmonton kid from the Vancouver Giants uh, not expected to be on the ice. Bob Green will explain that. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. We do have time to interact as well. And don't forget, 7.30 to 8 tonight, Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. He comes in once a week to sit down with Morley Scott. And, uh, you know, Jason probably trying to scheme his way to a victory Saturday against the Calgary Stampeders. We have the game on Ched 5.30 for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 7. Saturday night, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.